What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today, my guest is a colleague of mine and part of my author series. I'm talking about Anthony Franz. Anthony, welcome into TMT Time. Hey, thanks for having me, Evan. One thing that is unusual right off the bat that I want to get into, Anthony, uh, is the fact that in your published novels, and, and for our listeners, Anthony published a book last year uh, that was called Every Last Fear that hit a bunch of bestseller lists. But you may be wondering who Anthony Franz is because he actually doesn't publish under that name. He publishes under Anthony Finlay or Alex Finlay. So tell us why that is. Why do you have a pen name? Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot. I, I actually have published legal thrillers under my own name, Anthony Franz. Um, and so I had um, three of those books come out uh, in 2016, 2017. Um, and I, when I wrote Every Last Fear, my publisher um, thought it was a lot different than my legal thriller work and thought it could be re to reach a wider audience. And so uh, we decided to go with a pen name just to distinguish the legal thrillers um, and, um, you know, reach a different different audience. Still commercial fiction, but, um, you know, legal thrillers is is kind of a niche within the, the broader fiction uh, market. And Every Last Fear was a bit different. So that was the main reason. Um, and um, so it's it's been, you know, kind of unusual for, for me to have a pen name. You, you know, as a lawyer, you think, you know, when somebody's using a name that isn't their own, there's something going on. But I have quickly learned in the publishing world, it's pretty common. Um, and uh, some of the major authors in the community or that, uh, that we know by a certain name are, are not their actual names either. So it's just been an interesting experience. So you are, Anthony, an actual particular type of lawyer that I want to talk about just very briefly because you have written about this in your novels uh, as well as some online blogs, and that is you're a Supreme Court litigator and a U.S. Supreme Court litigator. What is that, and how did you get into that? Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I've been in this, uh, the firm has a uh, appellate Supreme Court practice, which I've been a member of since really its kind of inception, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, big law firms started to open the Supreme Court practices, um, you know, anchored by a lot of uh, former solicitor generals or assistant solicitor generals, um, going into private practice. And as the um, Supreme Court became more of a um, specialty firm started, you know, you know, segregating um, the groups into just, you know, we do a lot more than just Supreme Court work, but, um, but that's kind of the genesis of it. And I, um, I had done appellate work for years in Arnold Porter, just in the litigation de department, and when the firm um, decided to open, uh, you know, a discrete unit within the uh, litigation for appellate and Supreme Court, I, you know, I was just naturally part of it and have been part of it since. And you do, when you said earlier, legal thrillers under your own name, they have a Supreme Court or SCOTUS bent to them, don't they? Yeah, my first three novels all kind of dovetailed into to my practice. Um, you know, it's one of these write what you know kind of uh, cliches you hear, and that's how I started in fiction. And they were all based in kind of the insular world of the Supreme Court. Um, you know, and I always kind of equated it to like a small town, you know, because the, the, in many ways, the Supreme Court uh, bar and Supreme Court community is like a small town, you know, there's the Supreme Court, you know, has its own building, obviously up there. And 
there's 400 employees, everybody knows each other. There's a gift shop, a cafeteria, just, um, and the community tend to know each other as well. And so it was, it was my effort to do kind of a small town thrillers, but set in DC and this kind of unique area that not a lot of the public know much about. Do you base any of your characters in your novels off real life people? No, I mean, I think you all in most authors, we draw on the, you know, our experiences, people we meet, there might be, you know, aspects of, of, of um, characters you've met along the way that find their way into uh, your characters. But in general, there's not anyone I said, well, I modeled this person on that person. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly in any of my books there, if something uh, interesting or something stood out in my day-to-day -day life, uh, chances are some, some fictionalized version of it might find its way into, into my work. So let's talk a little bit about Every Last Fear, which I mentioned earlier was on a number of bestseller lists, Amazon bestseller lists. And I did just buy it, Anthony, because I wanted to read it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to buy your second one. Uh, first plug for your second novel, I will leave to you. It comes out very soon, right? March 1st, 2022. What's it called? Uh, yeah, it's March 1st. It's called The Night Shift. Um, and it, uh, it is begins in the New Year's Eve 1999 when all the Y2K um, chaos was uh, uh, kind of affecting the world. But it's really a, a murder about a, a workplace murder in a blockbuster video on, on New Year's Eve. And um, it kind of takes off from there. There's probably a lot of readers who are going to say, what's Y2K? Is that a zipper? <laughs> yeah, that's just and, showing my age. Yeah, uh, no, but, me too. I mean, look, that was a thing. Computers are going to melt down. And what is a blockbuster video? Yeah, but it, both. I have learned that there is a huge nostalgia uh, and love for uh, the days of blockbuster video for, for, for those of us who actually would go on a Friday night and wander the halls and, and hope that the movie we wanted would be there. Um, I think it brings back a lot of memories for, for people of a certain age and for other people, it's kind of just an oddity that, you know, you actually had to leave the house to get a movie and you, you might not be able to get it whenever you wanted. Um, so it's, um, I try and kind of touch on some of the nineties um, nostalgia in the book. I still remember when Blockbuster got DVDs and it was a big deal. So yes, I'm, I'm right in that age set. Loved going to Blockbuster. It was a good date place too, actually, choosing a movie. All right. So Every Last Fear, the, the new novel, is a sequel to Every Last Fear or is it a standalone? It's it's a standalone. It has one crossover character, but you don't have to read either of the, uh, you know, you don't have to read Every Last Fear to, to uh, um, kind of just jump in cold. And um, I, I tend to write... Um, I'm not a guy who reads a lot of series in fiction, so I, I, I write standalones typically, but there often will be crossover of people in them or in my Supreme Court series. It's all in the same fake Supreme Court universe, but each story is totally independent of each other. Um, and with the non-legal thrillers, um, it's kind of a similar similar take. So how I just have just general questions here because I'd love to get sort of behind the scenes how this works. When you write one novel and it gets published, do you sign a, a multi-novel contract? Do you get picked up by a publisher? How do you get your name out there and how do you become uh, established? 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's a pretty, um, the, the publishing world has changed quite a bit because there, it is much more easier to now these days to publish, you know, self-publish on Amazon or, um, and it's, it doesn't carry the stigma it once did. I'm with a traditional publisher, a large New York publisher, and it's, it's, you pretty much follow the same route to get published. You, um, for your first book, you have to write the whole book, then you have to get an agent who likes it. And then it's kind of like uh, real estate. The agent, uh, you know, s- tries to to sell the the book, and they get fifteen percent of whatever it sells for. And you know, the contracts vary. My um, I tend to do two books at a time, um, and um, I just signed my next two book um, with St. Martin's Press. Um, but it varies. Some people just do one book at a time. Some some lock themselves in for five books. That type of thing. And then you get a, an editor assigned to you. How does how does that go? Yeah, you basically the person at the publisher. And this is for the larger publishers. Um, the person who uh, really is makes you the offer is your is the editor. Agents pitch to the editors that they think will. Uh, be interested in this type of book. And so, for, you know, and, and it, it really matters because, you know, I have a, a, an agent, a great agent. Um, she specializes in, in, in thrillers. And so she knows the, the editors who are interested in that genre. She, she knows the market. Um, but if I, you know, if I had a different type of book, she may not be the right, you know, the, the right person to, to get out there with it. Um, and so, you know, she basically has a network of, of editors she works with. She pitches the, the, the book and then it's like any kind of offer situation. The editor, the editors read it and if they love it and it really these days, they just have to love it because from that point on in internally at the publisher, they have to get a team behind it. It's not just their decision. They have to convince the other, uh, uh, you know, people at the company because it's a big investment for them to, to buy um, a novel. And once that process takes a course, and it's usually several people have to read the book internally, um, then they come back with an offer. And it just and, and from there, sometimes you go to auction where multiple publishers are, um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, get this, get the title. Um, and, you know, for um, and that's in the US. And then what happens after you reach a deal with your U.S. publisher, then um, with every last fear, I had a lot of um, foreign publishers. So I don't, you know, I think 15 or 16 different um, countries um, then acquire the rights to publish the book um, in different languages. So this is really cool. And this every last year got picked up by a production company. Is it in like a series that I hear? TV series? Yeah, it's, um, you know, my one of my legal thrillers was picked up um, by um, NBC to make a television series out of it, um, and it got pretty far in production. But then it, it then it, as often the case, it didn't go anywhere. Um, every last fear. Do you get paid for that, or they like like what do they do? Buy an option, and then they, they can buy an option, option for, right? Okay. And then every step of the way after that, it's basically it's an option for a period of time. If they move into production, then you know things change, and and as the the um, you know, the different stages in, in uh, network television, it's pretty regimented how they do it. Um, Every Last Fear was picked up by a production company 
and it's now um, they optioned it. It's now in development. Um, it has a, um, a. I'm not. I don't think I can. Uh, it's public yet to say who it is, but it's got a pretty good director attached to it, which is. Ooh, dude, awesome. you gotta you gotta drop some inside info on TMT time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm ready to say who it is, but it's a it's it's a it's a director who's somebody pretty important. Pretty, yeah, but again. You know, the the I have friends who have had every one of their books optioned um, and move into production. I've had friends on their way to the the set um, have the they're cashing checks. They're already <laughs> buying their third home. But um, it's so it's it's definitely a fickle business. It's fun. My you know I I always find it funny that I spend a year of my life writing these books and. You know, it's it's really you. You got to sink a lot into it. But the only thing, like my kids or their friends or my family's impressed with, is if you know somebody from Hollywood might might make it into a TV show or a movie. Your kids should be impressed that you're a published author. <laughs> well, they should be. I tell them that. Come on, it's like way cooler than being a lawyer. <laughs> my my kids are like, my dad's a lawyer. If yeah. it was a p- author and you're getting picked up, I mean, I mean, no. if it hits the silver screen, maybe they'll be. Impressed. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Uh, I'm still waiting. <laughs> so you you spend a year writing. Is that how long it takes to do a full novel? Yeah, it depends. I mean, I think on average it takes takes about a year. It's you know, it's not continual. And since I practice, it's definitely comes and fits and starts for me. Now that it, I have deadlines. Um, that you know i try and be a little a little more um regimented about about it but um most of my books are written on the subway on the way to and from the office uh downtown dc or um during the pandemic um i had found that i was having trouble you know focusing and and writing and i realized it's because i was i was so in the habit of writing on the subway and, and walking or walking to the office that I'd started to just have to go on these long walks um, to, to, you know, actually write the book, uh, at least, you know, initial drafts on, on my phone. Um, and um, so, you know, but every writer has to find kind of, kind of what works for them. And for me, it was that subway time hour each way every day um, and just got me in the habit of, of, of writing. So we had, international best-selling author jeffrey deaver one of my favorites on tmt time earlier everyone go listen to that podcast but he said that he's had to change his writing style lately to keep up with sort of the influx of streaming services and and immediate gratification and he writes in more staccato rhythm rather than longer prose shorter chapters a lot of transitions and he does more on his computer now it sounds to me like you also write in, in fits and starts and use a computer. Have you changed your writing style at all or adapted it? No, but I think, for, you know, Jeff, uh, um, Jeffrey Deaver, he's, he's been doing it for so long that I think just the, the style, certain the style of thrillers might just to deal with the attention span issue. Um, since I started, I've always been a short chapter person, always been kind of, and it kind of lends itself to my legal practice. I'm a short sentence, you know, get to the point make the writing as lean as possible person in, in my legal writing. And I, I just basically try the same thing for my fiction writing. Um, but I do agree that th- there's just a lot of competition for people's attention now. Um, you know, when, when somebody can pull up basically anything they've ever wanted to watch um, on ever. their phone, ever. It's like having um, Blockbuster in your, your hand. Right. And, um, and so 
you're definitely competing with people um, in that front. And it's an investment to, to read somebody's book. You know, it, uh, it's, it's a nine to 10 hour investment if you read it straight through. And I only know that because my audio books are, you know, nine or 10 hours. Um, but, you know, that's, that's asking a lot of, of people. And thankfully, reading still is popular. Book sales are up during the pandemic. Um, and so it, I think there's always a market for it, but you know, you're standing out, you, you got to stand out in a crowded, crowded market. I mean, look, I love books. I love fiction books. I love nonfiction. I just love to read. I was going to ask Jeffrey Deaver this, but Anthony, I'll ask you, or I guess I should ask Alex. Uh, I would like to be the voiceover on one of your audiobooks. I think I could do a tremendous job. Uh, so if this next one goes big, your next drop here on March 1st, keep me in mind. All right. Actually, it's a whole, and I've learned through that process is there's a whole um, acting community that, ha that have voice agents. And it's a lot of actors who I think supplement their income. I've actually gotten to know the actor who read um, Every Last Fear. Um, he's also, he also writes, he, he has a production company, but he's a, he's a, um, daytime television soap opera celebrity. And he's his wife is also, um, kind of a well-known soap opera actress and they do the, they, they, you know, get pitched books and they, they often do them together and they did every last fear together. So it's, it's, it, there's definitely a whole community out there, um, doing this. And it, it, yeah, I think you have to be a pretty good actor to, you know, just cold read um, someone's book and they really act them out. They have to, in, in one book, you could have to play, you know, 10 different characters um, or more. And it is, it is a real skill. That, that was a very long-winded response to, and point of no chance in hell, Evan, of you reading my next book. <laughs> no, no, I, it's not up to me who gets to read them, but you know, if they ever say, Anthony, you know, it's who your choice. You like? so, <laughs> who's your, I'll, who's I'll your be, I'll, 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 you'll be my go-to person, but <laughs> they've already actually yeah. finished um, the, the, uh, uh, the night shifts uh, readers this time. I did get to listen to that. My, the most feedback I get is, is they send me the audition tapes. Oh, and wow. I listen, and I listen so it's to done. Them. So the audio, oh, the audio comes out at the same time yeah. the book drops. Yeah. All right. So when the night shift drops on March 1st, I'm, I'm not pining for that one. Yeah. The maybe next the next one. The, the next, next one. one. Keep me in mind because I can Got read it. with the best of them. And I can do characters. I do characters on here all the time. So. <laughs> all right. Small, small plug. We'll do. We'll do. Oh, that's hilarious. All right. So you mentioned that in your legal writing, you're also very short and concise um, because we have a lot of lawyer listeners uh, or I think we have a lot of lawyer listeners. What are some sort of best practices, thoughts, or guidance, or advice that you would have for the writers of the of the group on how to get your point across quickly and how to come across to a, a judge or a panel in the most effective manner? Um, I think you know it's keep it simple and in legal writing. I think you know think of think of the type of um, writing that you like to read. And what resonates with you, and and usually it's it's not you know some people might be highbrow for me. I like to get to the point. I like to understand it the first time. I don't like to have to reread something. And so if you write with that in mind, I mean it, it lends itself. Topic sentences, you know things you things you were taught in high school. Topic sentences. Keep the sentences short. Keep the paragraph short. Make it visually appealing on the page and something. Um, 
one of my former colleagues, um, Lisa Blatt, who's a well-known um, Supreme Court advocate, she she would really aesthetic aesthetically look at a brief and if 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 there was too many, if a paragraph just took up the whole page, even if it was technically proper, she would still break it up. And and then and there's reasons for that. It's just the the way something looks makes it easier to read. And I take that with my fic fiction writing as well. But it really simple is better. And and um, if you don't need um, you, you know an adverb, you know get rid of it and and just. Uh, um, I'm also a big proponent of starting sentences with and or but which are things you might have been taught in fourth grade not to do. Um, and, you know, read it out loud and read it for content, but also read it for flow and, and, and rhythm. I mean, I think both in, in fiction and legal writing, there's something to reading something out loud, hearing it, um, because that's how people are t taking in information. And there's some, some level of rhythm that, that can facilitate that. Well, all right. All that is super helpful for me, especially since I still do this and I don't get to write fiction novels on the side, which I would love to do. Um, Anthony, so if you were going to be played by an actor in a television show, who is that actor? If I was personally going to be played by a yeah. um, I, I haven't really thought, <laughs> thought about that. Um, I, I would definitely pick somebody much cooler than myself. Um, uh, it'd have to be somebody bald. Um, so, um, so I don't know who is left like that. I'm thinking like Telly Savalas, but he's yeah, you know, old. I guess it would have to be somebody my age, Bruce Willis or somebody like that. We could, yeah. uh, you're uh, younger um, than Bruce Willis. Come on. <laughs> um, but I haven't, it's a good question. I haven't thought a lot about who would play me. I, I don't think I'll have to worry about it. Um, but, uh, we'll go with somebody, uh, bald, but better looking than myself. We'll go Jason Statham. How about them? All right. Well, okay. So if, if the series gets picked up, gets out of the production stage and gets picked up by this potentially famous producer or director, uh, who do you want to be the actor or actresses that are in it? You know, there, I, I don't, when I write the books, I don't think of actors because I think that it. Um, it affects how you would write the character. And because I, I feel like if I thought, oh, this is a George Clooney type, I might, it might influence the direction the character take, um, might take. There are people on Instagram who, who, who take books and do the perfect casting for them. And I, some people have done that for every last fear. And they had, um, I thought, pretty good choices for, for the different characters. I try and just kind of stay out of it because I think it, it, it's, it's such a different, type of medium filmmaking than the writing that uh, I, I just leave it to those who are, who are better at it. And, you know, and one of the things I really love about writing and reading is, is that, you know, everybody who reads any of my books, it's, it's different for them in their heads. They, it is a, it is the same movie, but it is a different looking cast. It is in and because everyone brings their own kind of stuff to, how they imagine the book. And I think that's kind of one of the cool things about it. It's just, I make this stuff up and, you know, write 300, 400 pages. And, and I have in my mind who how the person might look, but for somebody else, uh, could, they could look totally different. They, and they, um, this is, so many things about it could be totally different. So uh, again, it's a long winded answer to not answer, but um, um, I, I, I think everybody brings something 
from themselves into the into, into casting. And I'll be interested to see who who if they go forward, who who they cast for it. So I'm going once I finish every last fear, I will come to you with my proposals. Great or characters. Good. Good. Um, I think it's cool just the fact that the people that on Instagram do cast every book included your book in that. That means people are reading it. So I would take that as a positive sign. Yeah, there's a whole, um, I'm not a big social media person, um, but there is a big um, social media book community, which is very, and unlike other aspects of uh, social media, I think particularly Instagram, it's a very positive um, community, which focuses on, you know, just people who love books, uh, talking about them, doing, you know, pictures with them and things like that, um, which I've discovered. And I, uh, it's, it's quite fun to see what people come up with and the, the, and they'll take pictures of your book. Like for me, pictures of my book all over the world of different people in, in, in different places. It's just kind of fun. That's actually pretty cool. So is it um, like they do that with all books or people that are like, oh, I really like this novel. I'm going to take a picture. There's a, I guess they call it bookstagram community. So it's, oh, it's just, a, yes. it's, it's a, it's a big group of, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Who, uh, this, who, yeah. This is one of the few positive social media messages that we've espoused here on TMT time because I'm <laughs> right. mostly anti-social media, but I like this. Kind yeah, of a positive it, effect. it is definitely, uh, you know, the, it probably be because it's so picture oriented and, and, and not a lot of text, but um, it, it, on the whole, pe the people are pretty, pretty friendly. And um, so it's fun to just to see what they do. All right. Uh, we are out of time, Anthony. I want to make one last pitch to our listeners to go out and buy Every Last Fear, but also The Night Shift, and then hit Anthony or Alex Finlay up on the various social media channels to let him know what you think, because he's probably already writing his next novel. Is that right? I am running behind. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get constant emails from the publisher that are like, where's the manuscript? Not yet. They, they, will, they will be coming. All right. Great to see you on today's TMT time. Thank you so much for joining. Hey, us. thanks for having me.